0: Hello, and welcome back to Why the Flick, a podcast where we watch a new movie each episode and ask ourselves, why the flick did we watch this? I'm your host, Claire, and this week, I am really excited to announce my new guest for this episode. We're joined by Zoe from the Backlook Cinema Podcast. Hi, Zoe. Nice to have you Hello. join the podcast.
1: And I'm so glad to be um I'm glad I finally got my shot.
0: Yeah. Um, for those of you who may not know, I was on Zoe's podcast earlier this year, I believe. I feel like it feels like last year, but I think it was just earlier this year um and had such a blast talking on your podcast so definitely wanted to offer an invitation to come on my podcast
1: yes so um the episode i forgot the episode that you were on our show on but i do remember we had a wonderful time
0: yeah i was like (laughs) i am blanking on the movie we did it was with tom cruise uh
1: okay oh i know what it was it was a few few good men yes that's what it was
0: yeah I was just drawing a blank. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me.
1: I I now remember because I messed up the famous line from the movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The one line that's like most iconic. I feel like that just happens.
1: Right. The one line. uh, The the line that everybody loves. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, for this episode, we are talking about a movie that when I first saw it, I was really unsure what I was going to think and then ended up really liking it. I know this is one that you said you had not seen before, um, but it is Nobody. Yeah, that's correct. It was, yeah, yeah. It's Nobody. It was released in 2021, directed by, and I'm going to try my best to say this name, Ilya Nashuler. written by Derek Kolstad, who is the writer of the John Wick series. I did not know that. Um yeah so you picked this movie because you hadn't seen it before right so that's I guess that was me giving out why the flick did you choose this movie but was there any other reason
1: (laughs) (laughs) well uh I had been hearing snippets of this movie so I would hear about uh how it was action fact. Cause I only know about it through the poster. Like I never saw the trailer or anything about it. Just the poster, uh, Bob Odenkirk lit- looking pretty beat up. And yeah. uh, I figured it was a movie about a guy that was down on his luck and it, it didn't really pique my interest all that much. And then I started hearing that, Oh, it's an action flick. Oh, it's, it's kind of like the born identity mm. or it's kind of like John Wick. I was like, Oh, well maybe I would be interested in seeing this movie. <laughs> and so uh, that's, that's why i chose it
0: so what was your reaction after watching the movie were you like blown away or were you underwhelmed how did you feel
1: i felt like i really liked it i felt that there were some pieces like some action pieces that i don't know it felt uh formulaic in in some places in in that it didn't really grabbed me as I thought I would in some places but overall Mm. I really enjoyed it I really liked it I I definitely watch it again it's it's one of those where I can I can watch it a a couple of times they I I like some of the really creative things that they did with the story and um yeah I just I I feel like I really like the movie
0: yeah I felt like to me like I really do like action movies but I actually like action movies where the person is retired. They're like a retired assassin or special ops, whatever kind of situation, um, and they're trying to live a quote unquote normal life. But then, due to circumstances and events, they get kind of get they get sucked back into the game. Um, I kind of think about the movies like The Equalizer or Red, um, where it's like these retired guys who are and who end up, you know, on I think the exterior looking like they're. They're not capable, but really they are, and so that's the kind of movie action wise that I like um I don't did you ever watch Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul?
1: No, I haven't seen either of those okay. I, I hear great things about those,
0: yeah, they're really good. I'd recommend checking them out, but Bob Odenkirk is in both of those and When you watch him in Breaking Bad, he's more of like this sleazy lawyer, like fast talker. He just seems like not an action star. And so when I went into this movie, I was just not expecting him to be really good. Like he really blew me away with what he provided for the movie. Another one that I wasn't expecting either was Christopher Lloyd. Um, Completely like blew me away with you know give christopher lloyd a shotgun in every movie and i think i'd be happy <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i feel like the least likely people to be in an action movie really surprised me and i thought they both did a really good job
1: yeah that that was surprising to see uh not only was he in the action movie but he was part of the action yeah. Christopher Lloyd. so yeah that that was uh It was pleasant to see. It was like, oh, this is a side of Christopher Lloyd that we hadn't seen before. And he looked like he was having too much fun, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Too much. It's too much pleasure in, like, blowing people away.
0: I know. Yeah. He definitely looked like he was having a blast with that. Um, The other thing I like about this movie, too, is that it's not just action. There's some comedy um that's a part of it I feel like there's even more comedy than action sometimes but I still like it and the action sequences I do think are really great there's a lot of great music that's also paired with the action scenes that just like makes it I think lean into the comedy a little bit more that I like um but yeah and then I think some of the dynamics between like Hutch and his family I think could have maybe been done a little bit better. There's some instances where it feels surface level and unclear, but there is a sequel in the works, so maybe we'll get some more backstory about Hutch in a future movie.
1: Yeah, they definitely uh, hinted that there will, there would be, there might be future movies. They seem to hint that at the end of this movie.
0: Yeah, I would definitely watch um, a sequel. You know, I know sequels can sometimes be hit or miss, but I feel like they could, I think they could do it. I think they could make this one just as good as this first one. Um, So to get into the movie, um, I kind of skipped over this part, but the IMDb description reads a docile man follow, or sorry, a docile family man slowly reveals his true character after his house gets Burgled by two petty thieves, which coincidentally leads him into a bloody war with a Russian crime boss. You know, happens every day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It it could happen, like
0: like they used to say. (laughs) Yeah, these things, they just happen, you know? They just do. Um,. And so, I think before we get started too deep into the movie, I wanted to talk a little bit about why Bob, Bob I don't want to say Bowden, um, why Bob Odenkirk was chosen for this role because, like I mentioned with his role in Breaking Bad, he just doesn't come across as the action hero. You know, he's not like Keanu Reeves. Um, and so, I did a little reading about how he ended up with this role. And the idea actually came from Bob Odenkirk himself, which I thought was really surprising. Um, he himself had dealt with two home invasions in his life, and he was really frustrated by how things were handled by the authorities, and he kind of wished that he had done more. And so that spurred him to write this, help write the script for this movie, which I thought was pretty interesting.
1: Oh, wow. That's... That's cool. That's definitely cool. (laughs) I know.
0: It's like I feel like he was figuring out like using this movie as some sort of therapy for like wishing what he could have done. He's like if I were an action hero, this is what I would have done in this instance. Um, And I think like you can kind of see that play out when the home invasion happens in the beginning of the movie where, you know, Hutch... Uh, takes the golf club and he is looks like he's about to completely go off on these two but then he holds himself back um we find out later like he he has a really keen perspective so he could see like the gun wasn't even loaded and this was a couple who was scared so He had to, like, kind of restrain himself in that moment. So I feel like we can see that in Bob Odenkirk's probably his experience with the home invasion that he um, encountered. Um, So, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. There was another article I read that said he had also watched John Wick and he, like, wanted to be that character. And so he called Derek Kolstad, who wrote John Wick, and was like, will you write? this movie with me but i'm like good for you like yeah it was cool uh to read that
1: yeah that's that's a cool story and i think that there are a lot of families that kind of face that uh if they were in a situation where they wish they could have done something differently and this and as you said that plays out in the beginning of the movie and this is him uh Kind of living for people who have gone through something like that, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like a, a type, a type of revenge fantasy or wish fulfillment, where he goes out and he fulfills that need to do the thing that he meant to do. Almost like when you have an argument with somebody and they they kind of beat you in the argument, and then you go home an hours later and you're like, "That's what I should have said."
0: Right? <laughs> oh, happens to me all the time. I
1: wish. Right, right.
0: If I had a time machine, yeah. Yeah. And I think the movie does a really good job of not, at least in the beginning, uh, not giving away too much of who Hutch is as a character because we see him go through all of these really mundane events during the week. And it's like, bam, 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 like drinking coffee, going to work, forgetting to bring the trash out every single every single week that happens. And and so you get this like monotonous um, just day in the life of what he's experiencing. And then he's also really treated as a nobody himself. Um, he seems like just an average guy. He like takes the bus to work. He works at a, um, machine factory and, you know, he and his wife are having marriage problems. So he's going through all of these things that seem very normal, but he's not normal at all.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. I kind of noticed like, uh, uh, I, I like that, how they portray mundaneness, and they do that differently in different movies, but mm-hmm. uh, in this movie, they go through pretty much every weekday of the week, and then it kind of speeds up yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and skips parts. And then through the how they portray his mundane life, they, they show some aspects of it, like um, how they show that him and his wife were kind of drifting apart and his wife literally builds a barrier between herself and himself yeah. in their bed or uh, how she doesn't stay up for him. Yep. Like she's already closed off from him. So he only really gets to see her in the morning before she goes to work. And then they don't even get to spend any time together by the time he gets home. Yeah. And then uh, how, uh, and, and then another aspect of that is like when he misses the trash, she has to tell him, she feels the need to tell him that he missed the trash, even though he obviously already knows it because, he chased down the trash truck. <laughs> I know. I'm like, pained. and then there was,
0: Oh, go ahead. I'll
1: go ahead. Now I was just saying that, um, there was this one time he looks at her like with his eyes saying, I know I missed the trash truck. <laughs> you don't have to tell me every single time. <laughs> and also, and then, like, uh, She's like telling I'll him every,
0: she's like telling him every, I don't know if it was Wednesday or Tuesday, but she's telling him every week. I'm like, you feel like if she tells you this, Many times during each week you'd remember one day to like take the track. Right, out. right. Yeah. <laughs> or or you
1: would put it out the day before, like yeah. normal people do. Right. <laughs> and so there's that and then there's uh how when he does his uh a little bit of exercise when he's waiting for the bus, his wife's posters like right there in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> <while he's... laughs> right. It almost like reminding him of uh the perceived trajectory of their marriage i guess so all yeah. of that in the beginning was a, yeah. was pretty cool
0: it was really cool i don't know if i was trying to remember if that sign is her as a realtor or something but it, to me it feels like she's elevated in her career and he's kind of taken a backseat to his former career so i feel like there's maybe some resentment there as well while he's like trying to work out on the bus stop uh you know bench uh area um, the other thing I was going to mention with the trash can is like it seems so relatable because how many times have I heard the trash truck outside <laughs> and been like, oh, shit, I forgot to take the trash out. And I'm like going out right. there running like, oh, let me put it here really quick before they come to my house. Um, so that, that right. definitely seems super relatable.
1: And then there's... Um... So it's it's not just that he, uh, you know, his wife is more successful in her career, but he's working for his wife's family. So mm, it's, it's his yeah. father-in-law, his brother-in-law. His brother-in-law is like Employee of the Month, like every other month. And you yeah. don't know that. You just see Employee of the Month, and then he walks in. And then when the brother-in-law offers him a gun and is like, you know, protect my sister, then Which you is, realize what the power dynamic is.
0: He like pulls out a gun to his face and then is like, it's not loaded, or it's not there it's, the safety's on, and he's like, oh actually the safety wasn't on, now it's on and I'm just like, what? How did this happen? This is terrible Not only
1: that, but it's like you never point a gun whether it's loaded or not at anyone, like you never point it at somebody that, that you don't intend to shoot in the first place, that's like right. the first rule of handling firearms and the brother just broke it instantly and oh, almost yeah. like he couldn't wait to break it <laughs>
0: And I really think it sets it up to show, like, all of these other men that we get introduced to are what you would think is, like, macho man, And so it's all to compare these men to Hutch, who seems like he's very meek. And, you know, after the break-in happens, he's treated as a man who can't take care of his family. But in reality, he's more capable than any of them. And I really like how we get hints of what he's actually able to do. Um, Like I mentioned, there's the scene where he grabs the golf club and he's about to kick the ass of the robbers, but he holds back. Um, And then there's also later on in the movie, we see somebody – notices he has a tattoo on his wrist that's the seven of spades and two of diamonds i had to look this up because i am not i'm not a card player because
1: i had no idea i thought it was a what do you call it i thought it was blackjack or something
0: i think but i guess not i think it's texas hold'em from what i read but those cards are like a sign that it's the it's basically the worst possible hand you can be dealt and if you see those two cards you should fold immediately which makes sense now when you realize that that veteran was like Thank you for your service and like leave Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like locks one of the best all the doors. In the movie. Yeah. You just hear like like ten deadbolts like against this door, and he just like immediately tries to check out. Um so yeah, I liked that a lot.
1: And then all of the, the everybody else in the shop gives him respect and deference after that. Because like cause they know that guy. And So apparently yeah. that guy was probably one of the toughest among them. So as soon as he, like, I guess excused himself, we'll put it that way, from the situation, <laughs> and everybody else realized that, okay, this guy's a real deal, and we're going to uh, offer him any assistance that he requires.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if you scared that guy, then we ought we to oughta be nice to you. Um, Yeah, it was really cool. And he does to go through, like, a whole speech where I can't remember what he says exactly, but he's just, like, it was right before the veteran sees the cards on his wrist, and he is like... Um, basically telling them, do you want to fight now? Or like, you know, antagonizing them. Because, and that's something he seems to be doing throughout the movie. It's just like he's pick, waiting for a fight and he is wanting to pick a fight because he misses what he used to do so much. Um, but we do find out what he used to do. We learn in the beginning, he says he was an auditor. Uh, but it's not the typical auditor that we think of. Uh, and I think it's funny how every single time... He's he's basically sharing his backstory to all of the bad guys. But then every single time he like gets into it, they die halfway through. So he just stops abruptly. Um, and I think that's a running gag that we see throughout the movie. But uh, yeah, in, in reality... The auditor is the last person you want to see in an organization and his job was to make sure that there was nobody left to arrest and so that's you know his backstory
1: uh yeah in essence he's a, a government assassin mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, sanitized uh he's called an auditor and um yeah all of that is i like how it's slowly revealed what his backstory is because like once once he gets to working. Like once you know he's when he goes to the shop and a tattoo parlor and and the way they react to him. And then the way he fights on the bus. And then you you realize uh okay, this guy is special. And then you're waiting for the movie to tell us what his backstory is. So I, mm-hmm. I and I like how he kind of tells his story about who he was and, and how he came to be where he's at in that particular moment. So I, I like that I I feel that was all Really well done.
0: Yeah, I like that we got little pieces of it throughout the movie. So like in the beginning, there's the little tiny hints that we know he's not quite a normal guy. And then through the rest of the movie, as he's explaining different sections of his life, you know, we get different layers of what he used to do, which I think is really great. Um, I think the biggest like scene that we get that in is when he's sharing a story of a guy he let go Uh, Named Alan. And he's explaining, like, I went back a year later, fully expecting this guy to have totally like turned bad again. But he surprised me because he ended up having a family and he was a family man. And Hutch was like, you know what, I want that too. So that's kind of his momentum for getting out of the game. But then he also shares that it wasn't what he expected. And he kind of says, I overcorrected a little bit too much. And so now he feels like, it, he's kind of like the family man persona he has is a facade to who he really is. And that's really like an interesting um, angle that I feel like they took with the movie that I haven't seen in a lot of these other typical movies is that, yes, he got the, the family that he always wanted. But he feels very trapped in the life that he's in right now.
1: Yeah, I think the overcorrection was that he I think he felt that he was playing it too meek. And mm-hmm. I think that has something to do with not stopping the robbery the way yeah. he would have taken care of he, he would have taken care of it in his old life. So in this life, I guess he didn't want to reveal himself. So that's why he yeah. didn't stop the robbery and uh and let them get away. And then right. part of the so called so-called correction was going back to get his uh watch and his uh his little girl's bracelet oh my god (laughs) the kitty cat bracelet
0: i was like i can't believe like that was was in the trailer i think which is probably what made me really interested in watching it is that this whole movie is based off of a kid losing her kitty cat bracelet and that's the thing that sends him over the edge finally to want to you know find the bracelet take people down and then that doesn't even work out because they don't have the kitty cat bracelet The kitty cat bracelet was not even lost to begin with and so none of this even had to happen.
1: (laughs) Right. Nothing had to happen. We just (laughs) looked for it because why would you listen to a little kid? Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. You could have looked for it first and then um and then when you couldn't find it, then you could uh just buy another one. <laughs> I know
0: it's, it's not a big deal. Not don't yeah. <laughs> you don't need to go fight a Russian mob at the end of the day just to like get this kitty cat well, bracelet back. Yeah,
1: it's that, and um, he already decided to let them go. So <laughs> yeah, when he could have stopped them in his home, he could have. He didn't have to like reverse his decision. He could have just, you know. Just let them go. Continue to let them go. Get her another kitty cat bracelet or something else. She's not going to remember it. Yeah. (laughs) She's going to lose it again. And she's not going to remember she ever had it by the time she turns 20. So it's not... He, it was too much. It, that That's an, another overcorrection on his part.
0: Yeah. I think he had just pumped himself up so much to be like, I, I'm going to do this. Like, I have all this rage in me that I need to express. And once he got to the robber's house, he realized that this is just a family that's trying to m- get by. And he hears a baby cry in the other room. And he sees the baby. And he's like, oh, man, I really fucked up. And he's so mad at himself. And he punches a wall. And so, you know, he still didn't get to do what he wanted. And so when we get to the part where there's the bus scene, he's like, "Please open that door and let these people in so that I can just <laughs> go crazy on them."
1: Right, right. And uh one of the things that I noticed about in a lot of these types of revenge fantasies, that uh, the hero doesn't get you know, he doesn't get punched often. He's, he's like able to wipe the floor with certain people. And then he doesn't actually get punched until like you get to the, the higher bosses. Mm. But in this one, he gets beat up pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, he wins the fight, but yeah. I think at one point he gets thrown out the bus window. I mean, yeah. he gets beat up pretty bad, Yeah. but uh, but he he wins the fight, but he has to almost kill them to win. So I I thought that was an interesting aspect of how they work the action in this movie. I think it's kind of separates it from movies like John Wick, where uh, John Wick basically doesn't get touched. I mean, he gets punched yeah. a couple of times, but he doesn't get nearly the punishment as uh, as Hutch does. So right. there's uh, that, and um, the kind of born identity aspect of it, where he's his background is that he's a, a government agent rather than like uh, an assassin for the mob or something like that. And And, then oh yeah, go ahead. But yeah, that, that was, I would just say that was pretty unique aspect of the action.
0: I liked that a lot too. I had read that Bob—it was Bob Odenkirk's idea on the bus scene for him to like hit his face on the rail at one point because that just seemed like a, a direction his character would have gone. And I feel like it's a little bit more realistic because he's been out of the game for a while, so is he a little, he's a little—he's a little rusty, you know. He yeah. doesn't have the—he hasn't been training constantly for the last, you know, I don't know, fifteen plus years that he's been out of the game. So that to me feels like rustic and it feels relatable. In a sense, like, obviously, I'm not relating to Hutchin by any means, but just the fact that, you know, he's still, he's got, he's this action hero, but he's, he's a little messy, you know, He just, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't done it in a while. So I liked that a lot.
1: Also, I think part of it is that he wanted to feel some pain. He wanted to be yeah. hurt. I think uh, in an effort to punish himself, not that he wanted those people to beat him up, but he knew that when he engaged in this fight, it's himself with like four under four four other guys that are probably half his age and yeah. Yeah. so he knew that this is going to be a rough go but uh and he wanted to feel that pain
0: absolutely i agree um i did a, l- a little bit of reading about Odenkirk kirk and like his training for this movie which he apparently trained for two years to prepare for this role um so very very dedicated and i was I loved hearing that he did almost all of his own stunts in the movie, which I think you can see pretty clearly in how they filmed. Um, so there's not really a stunt double in a lot of the shots that we see, which was really cool. And there was another story I'd also read. This one's a little bit um, more depressing, but when he was on the set of Better Call Saul, he actually suffered a heart attack at one point um, and he credits preparing for this movie as what saved him because I guess all of the physical activity grew his veins to the point where like more blood was able to pump to his heart. Um, so it has a, it has a hope more hopeful, like ending, but yeah, I just thought that was crazy and interesting, um, to read about. And then the other part of it too, was that, um, When it comes to Christopher Lloyd, which is, again, as we've mentioned, another character who we don't really think of as an action hero, like he's Doc from uh, Back to the Future. It was actually Bob Odenkirk's idea to get Christopher Lloyd to be his father. And the director really loved the idea because, you know, you see someone who's so positive in a lot of movies carrying a shotgun and killing people. It's going to be way more fun uh, than someone who we've seen do it a lot more in the past.
1: Right as a matter of fact you would kind of expect like Michael Ironside was, was also in this movie and you would probably expect that Michael Ironside would be the the part of, the plays a part of uh, Bob's father uh Bob Odenkirk, so hutch yeah. hutch's father you would you would think that that would be the the normal choice but uh, I guess Christopher Lloyd was the inspired choice. <laughs> yes. <I'd laughs> and say so. also this the, the strange thing is I just I'm also watching Star Wars uh the Mandalorian. And so he's in that one too. He, he made an appearance in the latest episode and I was like, Oh my God, he's getting so much work. (laughs) (laughs) Love it.
0: Love it. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. And then, um, we didn't, haven't mentioned this, but, um, RZA is also in this movie. And that to me was one of the best like teases because all we do is hear his voice through this, um, speaker like radio the entire time and so that's another hint where um, hutch is a little bit different because he has this person he's speaking to and the guy's like don't go and get yourself into any trouble and then he does and the guy's like i'm not gonna come out there and save your ass and then he ultimately does and we see it's rza um and so ours i haven't seen a lot of I don't think I've seen a lot of the action movies he's in, but he is, I think, more of an action star than than either Bob Odenkirk or Christopher Lloyd. So it was really great to see him in there, too.
1: Yeah. RZA, otherwise known as the RZA. He's been in uh, a couple of action movies. He likes uh, Hollywood in producing movies. I think he produced a couple of movies. And like you, I haven't seen a whole bunch of them, but he was really good in this one. Yeah. right. I was, I was, uh, I don't know. I guess I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't, I thought that we were just going to hear his voice the whole time. And then when he mentioned that he had to go and save uh, his father, like he had to help his, he had to help Hutch's father clean up after Hutch's father had, you know, did what he did. You know, so he had to. So I was like, "Oh, I guess we're going to see him uh, near yeah. the end of the movie," and then there he was. He had showed up in the end. So and he he looks really good. I don't know. I guess I expected him to be to look older, but he doesn't.
0: No, he looks he great. He looks
1: really good. Yeah. yeah, he looks great in the movie. So he, uh, I, that was good. That was. Uh, I liked the way he appeared at the end.
0: Yeah, he must be training more than than Hutch was. I bet. I bet he was like, uh, "I'm gonna I'm gonna keep up keep up the training." I don't know what he does currently, but I feel like he was more with it than than uh, Hutch was. But, yeah, this brings me to a good point because um, I had a question I wanted to ask before we get into all the action sequences. Do you have a favorite kill in the movie?
1: Oh, wow. It's hard to say. I don't know if I have a a favorite kill. I, I think the favorite save like when in, in the bus fight, mm-hmm. when he fights uh, the 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 villain's son when yeah uh, i forgot that guy's name um i guess i didn't catch it either Cutsnut cuts i'm reading it from imdb Kuts gotcha. off i guess that's how you say it so uh no hold on i'm reading the wrong no that's i guess that's how you say it but anyways um so the, he doesn't know who these guys are it's like four of them but one of them happens to be not not the villain's son but the villain's younger brother yeah so, you know, they're fighting on the bus and, you know, got, they got knives or whatnot. And then finally, he uh, dispatches all of them and, and uh, he hits the younger brother in the throat really hard and collapses something. So he has to take Ugh. a knife and cut yeah. a hole in the, in the throat so that he could breathe. So, uh, and saving his life, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Which he was like... And then-
0: t- Till Yulian later, he was like, "That's more than this dude even deserved because he was a dick right. on the bus. Like, <laughs> right. you're lucky right. that I even saved him, even though he has brain damage now for the rest of his life."
1: Right. So uh, yeah, because uh, so Yulian he says, Julian. "You you killed my younger brother," and and Hutch says, "The last time I had, well, the last time I seen him, he was alive." So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) Right. And just like he does the tracheotomy on him and he like takes a like straw out of a cup and like that's what he uses to to do the tracheotomy on him. And I feel like in that moment was him being like, man, maybe I did go too far. Let me just try to like (laughs) resolve the situation and, you know, make sure this kid doesn't die. Uh, Yeah, I think um, they were my favorite kill. It's with RZA, and he basically shoots three guys at once with one bullet. Um, it's, like, at the very end when they're having the final showdown. But that, to me, seemed, like, so badass and cool.
1: Um, right, right, right. That
0: I liked it a lot.
1: Yeah, that was uh, – he was – the fact that he was still shooting with the sniper rifle in close quarters, that that was uh, amazing. I guess he didn't have uh, – it's kind of hard to change weapons once yeah. the, the – combat started to shift so he was trying to get away and he turns around and he takes out three in one that was, that was a pretty cool uh triple kill a trifecta yeah. if you will i know a trifecta,
0: <laughs> yes a trifecta of kills if you will
1: <laughs> right a, tra- a trifecta of kills with the sniper rifle because they, they were close enough where that was possible so yeah yes. that was that was pretty cool
0: um, I think my and, other um, favorite kills, I mean just really anything with Christopher Lloyd and his shotgun and the one point where I was goes, gonna mention that. Yeah. Any <laughs> anything with him and his shotgun and that one point he goes Das Bedanya and then blows everybody up. It's so good. <laughs> uh,
1: right. Amazing. And a lot of the, the booby trap kills those those were cool. Those were cool. I like
0: those. Yes. Yes. Um, IMDb Trivia tells me there's a body count of about 50 because um, I certainly could not keep track of how many people were dying in this movie. <laughs> but so, yeah, they say 50. Uh, we talked about the bus scene a little bit already as I want to get into some of these action sequences. Um, I think the only other thing that I want to add with the bus scene is that I do love that they play the song, I Gotta Be Me, um, right before he just beats everybody up. I feel like that's so perfect for him realizing that this is what I like to do and this is what I want to do. And it's just like so different um, than what you would kind of expect. It's just such a different song than I'd expect for this part of the scene, but I loved it still.
1: Yeah. Uh also I think they did really good with the the needle drops, the music that they chose. Yes. And uh the movie is bookended with misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> right, right, right. So it's basically hinting that he's not he's presenting himself as different than who he really is. He's yes. misunderstood. But in his case he's misunderstood on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> so that was Yes. It was really cool how they played that out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I really liked how the bus scene is kind of the first time that we get to see Hutch kick ass. And like, as we mentioned, he's still, he's a little rusty, so he still gets beat up himself. Um, But he does happen to, like, is one guy's teeth, like, all broken? That's what I thought I saw. Like, one guy just has no (laughs) teeth left. Yeah, yeah, because he's
1: he's worried about what he looks like now. He's like, are my teeth messed up? He says something like that. And the other guy says, yeah, yeah, he really really did a number on you (laughs) it's really bad
0: not great not great yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, um but then i guess the next big action sequence is the second home invasion once all of the russians uh come to his house so essentially what as we've mentioned uh this group of guys he attacks on the bus are part of a Russian mob led by Yulian. And you mentioned Yulian is the brother um, for the one Hutch did the tracheotomy on. Um, but Yulian, Yulian's whole storyline is that he is protecting a bunch of money. Um, it's called the obshack It's like a 401k, they say, for the Russian mob. And he's babysitting all of this cash. And, you know... I like the sense, too, that like when we first meet Julian, he is seems very eccentric because he gets up and sings and dances at the you know front of his club on the stage. But then he goes back behind the curtain and just because one guy looked at him wrong, he like smashes his glass, goes to the guy, fucks his face up and then uh, breaks his neck and kills him. So he's definitely not somebody to be messed with.
1: Yeah, that was a uh, that was an interesting scene. Not not only because uh, the guy looked at him wrong, but it was because the other guys in that group didn't trust him with the yeah. money. Like they were concerned that he was too flamboyant, that he wasn't taking it seriously, that you don't understand the gravity of the situation. So he went to the other guy and basically killed him in a brutal fashion to show that, yes, I, I understand the gravity of the situation. Look what I'm willing to do. Look what I look at what I am capable of right yeah that was basically a demonstration of his commitment to his job as babysitter for this retirement fund (laughs) definitely
0: and the thing I think about too is like I feel like Julian is a really good villain to Hutch because they're very similar in a lot of ways where on the front side of things they don't look um Threatening, or they don't look like they are capable, but really they very much are. So they're similar in that respect. Obviously, Julian is a little bit um, more villainous uh, in that in that case. But I do like how they're both kind of compared to like wolves in sheep's clothing, where you know on the facade they don't look like they can handle anything, but really they are more capable than anybody else um, in the movie. So I liked how we had that duality between Hutch and Julian uh, throughout the movie.
1: Right, right, right. Um, there's that, and um, there are, like you mentioned, the the second home invasion. So mm-hmm. that was an incredible sequence because he didn't have, he di- apparently he didn't have a gun in the house. <laughs> he was an assassin without a gun, so uh, he was sneaking around he was knifing people he was doing all of these uh ninja style tactics yeah. getting them to shoot each other what was striking was that uh the mob didn't have uh nvgs and I, it seemed kind of reckless to have <laughs> to use your flashlights and in uh well, like the guy uh when they approached the house the first thing that happens is that all of the lights go out so that should tell them that their presence is known and expected. Right. Uh, and so they can t- they turn on their flashlights, they continue on, so with the flashlights on, now they're signaling where their location is. Uh, to me, it seems like, to point to their overconfidence and reckless. Mm. I don't think they quite know who they're dealing with. Oh, one of the things that happened when you talked about how people were, like, uh, once they kind of got clues as to who Hutch is, they... They wanted to bail. So we mentioned the the old guy at the barbershop. And this next one was the girl that uh, that Julian had went to to find out information on Hutch, like right? to get his his background and his bio and all of this. So when she starts pulling out all this info that she got directly from the government, she <laughs> threw the papers on the floor and she says, you don't have to pay me yeah. out. Yeah, I love that too. <laughs> yeah. But even with all of this information, it seems like Julian still kind of underestimated Hutch, and he sent his guys over to, I guess, kill him and his family, mm. and um, and they failed. They failed miserably, and the aftermath was all that was was utterly fantastic. Oh yeah. But strangely enough, they actually they actually succeeded in in capturing Hutch. It it just wasn't a long lasting victory.
0: No, not by any means. Yeah, I really love that. The way that they find Hutch is through his bus pass, which he dropped in the bus while he was fighting, because what's more like mundane than a bus pass and having to take the bus to get to work? And so that, to me, even though that lady went in there and threw the papers and was like, I'm out, you don't have to pay me, um, even though there was that aspect of it, I think the bus pass really threw Julian off because he was like, this just seems very normal. And so it seems like we can take this guy out. Um, The whole sequence in the house, I loved just his like, he's sneaking around trying to like take them out one by one. And then I love how he uses the objects in the house as his weapons. So he's got like a bat at one point. He's got hot tea that he splashes on a guy. There's a pan that he uses. I just loved all of those. I thought it was so realistic and cool. Um, And then as you mentioned, yeah, he gets taken away in the car, but he breaks the handcuffs and then he uses a fire extinguisher and just sprays it in the car to crash it. And like, that's a risk you got to take because you might die in the process of that happening. But, you know, he he leaves unscathed.
1: right right and it's the funny thing is that he could have gotten out of the car he was like nope no nope, that's not good enough I got <laughs> and then he happened to find a fire extinguisher because who keeps a fire extinguisher in their car so, so he, it kind of it kind of made me think that maybe this is a rental or maybe this is a brand of car that mm. equips their owners with fire extinguishers but I, I don't know uh, of a car company that does that um but like i said he ha- or uh i, I don't know I, don- I don't know why he would find a fire extinguisher but he does and he uses it to great effect yes. uh, he he kicks in the uh the passenger seat and folds the uh the russian dude in have the, the the black russian oh my russian. god uh, it's such yeah. a rare species of human and then um and then he sp- and then he sprays the dudes and then instead of the dudes like just stopping the car they just continue to drive and and, right. and they hit a pole and i feel like that that's that's a death right there. I feel like yeah. at that point, Hutch should have died. But no, he crawls out the car because, of course, he does.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe he and was then, per- protected in the trunk. Who knows?
1: Yeah, yeah. He's more protected than the, the drivers were because, of course, they don't wear seatbelts. No. And then um, what I really liked is after, you know, after the aftermath of that is that the the car is kind of sitting on the Russian. Oh, Something God. has gone through the torso of the black Russian. And then he starts basically pouring his guts out to the Black Russian. He's only doing it because he knows that guy is going to die, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he's like, yeah, "Yeah." that's when he starts to tell his background story of how he he was uh, an auditor and how he went. uh, Is that the guy he told that how he uh, he saw the um, he let somebody go Um, and he saw that? guy's life uh, a year later is that who he he, did he tell the black Russian that i I
0: think he told the dead guys in his house or the one guy like oh yeah yeah, yeah, guys and (laughs) and he's talking to them yeah
1: (laughs) and yeah and probably not all dead at that time there was like i know that at least one of them was like breathing and uh he lined them up uh so yeah but he the black Russian is the one he told that he was an auditor i do remember that part yeah and then And then he looked down again, and and the guy has died from his injuries. So that's when he decided to get up and walk off. But yeah, the other part when they're all in the house and he lines them up and he explains that the basement is designed to be hot, twice as hot as it it would need to turn their bones into powder. So he had been thinking about this for a long time.
0: Yeah, he definitely had a contingency plan, so that was good on him to think think ahead. And he ends up pulling out all this gold too from the basement that he'd been storing for like if s- shit hits the fan and he needs to get out with his family. Um so you know what he's he's a he's a good planner. I'll give him that. He was really yeah, good at that yeah, part. Yeah. But yeah he then he does blow up the house. Uh because you know there's there's no repairing what happened in that house. You've got dead bodies everywhere, <laughs> broken furniture, blood on the walls, like and the part where he, like, had to lock his family in the basement, and then after he had the car crash, he was like, oh, fuck, my family's in the- locked in the basement, and he just has to run all the way back to his house to let them out, and, uh, yeah, those moments when, you know, obviously his family in that part realizes that their father and dad, uh, or not their father and dad, their uh, husband and dad are more than what meets the eye. To me, like, I don't know how much his wife knew before they got married. It seemed like... She knew something, but not everything. Um, And then he's like, I'll explain it all later. Like, you guys just need to leave and get out. Um, So maybe in a sequel, we'll get more of that relationship.
1: Right. It's hard to tell how much she knew. It could have been that she didn't know anything, but maybe she knew that he worked for the government and that he couldn't talk about his past life. I think she probably knew at least that much. And it, it would seem that that's why she set him up with her father, to work for his father because Mm -hmm. he he didn't really have any skills outside of that. He did like uh, assassinating people is not a particularly useful skill (laughs) in, in civilian life. But I, (laughs) I'm guessing that he could have been a detective or something like that, Mm -hmm. but that's not a life that he wanted to lead. So he went and did the mundane. It was more mundane than being like a a private detective, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, I also, I noticed that having an age appropriate wife. I, I like that because mm. in the movies, yeah. they tend to have wives that are in, way too young for the lead actor. But she was, I felt that uh, she was age appropriate. And I, I just noted that in my notes.
0: Yeah, I don't know how old Connie Nielsen is, but I was also glad to see that it seemed like they were both Bob Odenkirk and Connie Nielsen together, at least on screen. Seemed. Within the same age range, not like 30 years apart or anything like that, which I know right. Hollywood likes to do.
1: Right, right, right. They do, they do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So all, all of those, uh, the, the, the fight sequences and the way it goes from one fight sequence to the next, those, just the way all of that was put together was pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, my other favorite, as I've already mentioned, with Christopher Lloyd with the shotgun, is that when the two Russian goons like go to his... Um, retirement home to try to take him out or like just to use him as leverage against Hutch and Christopher Lloyd as we realized even before is a former FBI was a former FBI agent so he has training um, and he hasn't lost his touch as we see because you know Hutch I think warned him that some people might be coming and so Christopher Lloyd was like you know what I'm gonna get out this shotgun he did keep he Uh, Hutch didn't keep any guns in his house but christopher lloyd kept a shotgun at his retirement home facility which i thought was funny um but he eventually like takes the shotgun hides it under a blanket pretends to be asleep and when the russians uh come to his room he just like opens his eyes takes it out blasts the one guy who goes flying back onto the wall and then ends up shooting the other guy and the nursing home attendant comes into his room and is like, turn that TV down and that's what um, (laughs) they think is happening but he's really got the guy holding him with his hand over his mouth until he he eventually dies too. Um, I just really liked that scene.
1: Right, right. The guy wasn't dead yet so he had to hide the guys that had broken into his apartment and uh, from the from i guess the the nurse the main nurse the mm. night nurse and uh <laughs> so it's turn it down and apparently he turned his tv all the way up and so when the bangs happened then yeah the the guy would think that that was his tv hey like, will you turn that down like yeah and then he just turns it down so that was he was a genius was so yeah <laughs> uh, i loved it
0: that was like to me i'm like why is christopher lloyd in this movie. And then we, that scene happened and I was like, this is why it's so amazing. I love Christopher Lloyd as an action hero, older guy. It's so cool. He was great. Um, I think what I had read, the first guy he shot might have been a cameo from the director. Um, some cameo. The first guy he shot was was somebody um, who was part of the film, which I thought was cool. Right. But uh, I also
1: yeah. I also like the when hutch went to buy his father-in-law's business uh, he was mm. actually setting up he was going to set up the the bad guys so he he had to buy the father-in-law business which is why he had uh the gold bars he, he i guess gave all of the gold bars to his father-in-law and his son-in-law was like, no we built this from the ground now we can't sell it and his father-in-law says yeah we can
0: <laughs> yeah we're doing this yeah that right right
1: great. we're doing this and um and then uh, Charlie, I guess that that's his brother-in-law, mm. decides to come over and, and cause him. Like he made like he was going to punch Hutch. And Hutch just struck him in the stomach and, in such a way that's like, you know, I could always beat you up. I just want you to know that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> He's so nice about it. He like it was... punched him in the stomach and he was like, all right, guy. Like, let's set you down. Just like breathe. Right, 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 right. <laughs> He punched him so hard. <laughs> that guy deserved it he deserved to get knocked down a peg or two right 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 yeah i really had to be taken down a peg absolutely i really love that we get a booby trap like montage in the middle of this because it's very home alone-esque but like adult version where he's like this is more realistic than home alone because the home alone situation those two robbers definitely would have died from all of those booby traps and and nobody they definitely die um but i love the whole scene where he's setting up the different like grenades that are gonna go off and the different you know rooms that are gonna have um you know different um kill death scenes like happened later on. So I thought that was a really good tease.
1: Right. You you got you were referencing Home Alone. I, I'm always reminded when I see scenes like this of the A Team because in the A Team oh, yeah. the T V show, it seemed like every episode had a scene where they were setting up booby traps and whatnot uh to uh stop the the bad guys in a non lethal way. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it was television, you couldn't you know Mm. have you couldn't blow away the bad guys so you had to basically knock them out so yeah there was uh that's what i'm always reminded of so it was it was nice seeing him go to work on the how you know making different because he was in a machine shop so that made it even more realistic that he could make these things Mm. now if he could make them in the time he had allotted i'm not sure (laughs) but the fact that he was in a machine shop making stuff that would stop these people that was that was pretty cool
0: yeah, and you get the sense that because when he goes to Yulin's club, because that's where it all kind of like culminates too. He goes to the club, he kills all of his Yulian's men, and then he pours gas in the water sprinkler system, and then right lights all <laughs> of the money on fire, and then he expects Yulian to just be like. leave leave us alone after this point like you know (laughs) (laughs) the fact that he he knows that what he is doing is going to cause Julian to come after him which is why he booby trapped the machine um, shop for you know the the final showdown at the end but yeah I just love how he was like you know what you came to my home which you never do and so I'm being generous in what I have done to you so far
1: Right, right, right. He was like, I've burned it all. I think what it was is that he realized that Yulian wasn't the type of dude that was going to stop me anyway, regardless of what he did. So he decided he was going to take something from Yulian, which was all of the money that Yulian was babysitting. And then he told Yulian, you know, you could just go run away. You can go and you can like get a facelift yep. and run away to an island and just hide from the mob for for the rest of your life. And you can leave me alone. So that was kind of like the option that he was giving Yulian. cuz it it wouldn't a, it wouldn't do to threaten Yulian beforehand like if you don't leave mm-hmm. me alone I'm going to burn all your money so yeah. he did that first i guess is a kind of demonstration he destroyed all of their money and then said uh Now you can go and leave me alone, because now you know what I'm capable of. Yeah. Of course, Yulian doesn't do it. (laughs) No,
0: and I love how Hutch like goes back to the car, which we didn't mention. He steals his neighbor's car from before his asshole neighbor. Um, he does steal his car, which is great. And he goes back to the car, and he's like keeping his fingers crossed, and he's looking in the rearview mirror, like, please come after me, please come after me. Right, 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 right. right. It was great. Um, and I really love that we get a car chase scene. It's not very long, but, you know, with action movies, I think you can, you often think about car chase scenes. And so I'm glad we got a little one in this. And that Barracuda plays during the, the entire chase was really cool.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess that brings us to the final showdown at the Machine Factory. Um, and the, uh, I really liked it that, you know, he kind of gets cornered at one point. I think he gets shot or grazed, um, on the arm and his dad and his friend, was his name, was his name Harry? I was trying to remember. Um, yeah, his name is Harry. Okay. Harry, um, come to his rescue. I just love that the three of them are together there to, to help him out. And then this is like an amazing sequence of events because we see all the booby traps, go off you know um, as I mentioned Harry like kills three guys with one bullet which was my favorite kill but then Christopher Lloyd is just going around with his shotgun and then the other thing I really like too is that we mentioned how Hutch's brother-in-law pointed the gun at him in the beginning and then gave him the gun and Hutch like put it in the freezer in a like used or like empty uh frozen food box and he stuffs it in the freezer and I love how that comes back into play because he can't he's like cornered and so he grabs the gun from the freezer and he just all you see is him holding the food box out, like pointing it like a gun and then he shoots it off and it like blasts to smithereens. It's just so great
1: Right, right, right. It, it's a Chekhov's gun in a movie with a bunch of guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, it's it's a Chekhov's gun popsicle. <laughs> I love that. In a, in a movie gun. where guns are all over the place, it's it, that's funny. That's yeah. actually pretty funny.
0: Yeah, there's so many good parts um, in this scene, especially like I mean, it's just a it's just great to watch, and I really love how they filmed it all. I love how it all came together. Um, at no point does it seem to me. That it goes on for too long. If anything, I could have used more, especially with Christopher Lloyd and the shotgun. Like, it's just amazing. Um, And then, so they ended up, oh, at one point they're like all back to back shooting everybody. And it's just like, man, like, this is just such a great bonding time for all of them. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) But yeah. Um, And then it brings, so the other thing I forgot to mention with the scene where, Um, Hutch is talking to Julian in his club he has a bomb that's kind of how he gets through and so like he kind of gets out is that he's got a bomb at one point ready to go um, if Julian tries to do anything and I do love how that comes back at the very end um, with Hutch like being cornered and so he takes this uh, big piece of glass I don't know if it's bulletproof uh, but it, it took a few bullets so it seems so and then he like has the clip in his mouth while he's running to like pull the bomb out. And so as he runs, he like rams into Yulian, pulls the wire and blows Yulian uh, apart basically.
1: Right. Right. And uh, the reason that works is that it's a, it's not actually, it's a bomb. It's actually a a mine. Oh, okay. A Claymore mine. So a Claymore mine is designed to blow up on one side. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a device used by the by the military. So the idea is that you set up the mine, sitting, standing face up, facing away from you. As a matter of fact, on the mine itself, it says, on one side it says, face towards enemy. And that is <laughs> so that the soldiers don't blow themselves up. And gotcha. then at, you, it typically has a wire that, that like you see, in a, it's not similar to the one you use in the movie, but it's it's usually a, a type of a trigger where you pull a wire mm-hmm. When uh, um the enemy comes close, or you can set it up as like a booby trap, so they are walk in front of the mind the mind blows, and it like blows their legs off or something right. like that basically takes them out of combat so uh and that's why, like when he's in a club, he has that part facing them right mm. <laughs> and facing facing because that's the part that's gonna blow Yulian up and it'll it'll really hurt him, but it'll kill Yulian the way he had it facing. So in in the final sequence, he he grabs the mine because it's like this is him improvising because everybody's out of bullets at this point, mm. and that and, and uh, the bad guys are I think everybody's down except for Yulian. So Yulian has a M16 or or what do you call that? Um, I,
0: he has a. a I'm the brawn person, person to remember. ask because I did it. I was like, thank God you're here because uh, <laughs> he, he, I was I've just pulled
1: out a bomb. <laughs> yeah, he has an assault. I'm trying to think of the civilian name, but I can't remember. But he has the. Uh, civilian version of the m16 the assault rifle so now he's advancing on them so now and there are a lot of weapons So they got to figure something out so that's when he grabs the uh it looks like maybe it's a police shield or some on some type of shield it seems to be bulletproof because uh yulian is firing at it and it's it's actually not penetrating the uh the glass or plexiglass or whatever it yeah. is and then he he stra- somehow he straps the bomb to the front of that glass and then he runs toward Yulian, Yulian is shooting at him, and and he's protected by the shield, and um, runs toward Yulian with the bomb, and then like like you describe, well not the bomb, but the the mine, yeah, the mine. And then, as you describe, pull the the trigger, and the mine goes off, blowing both of them back, but really killing Yulian in a gruesome fashion and just injuring Hutch. So it it all worked. That that was a pretty uh enlightened ending mm-hmm. i would say that that was a really good kill it was very unique in how they pulled all that off it, it looked really good i i like when action movies are doing something different they they're doing the work it's like yeah. well how are we going to kill this last bad guy let's how are we going to kill this last bad guy let's brainstorm this so it doesn't look like and so it's different and unique and it doesn't look like every other action movie so um my other favorite i think this is my my actual favorite, uh, like ending of a bad guy in a mm. movie like this is, I think it's Die Die Hard. No, it, it is a Die Hard movie. I'm trying to think of Rich one. Uh, it's not Live Free or Die Hard because I didn't like that movie. But the movie that was before that one, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a Good Day to Die Hard. I think that's ah. what it's called. So at the end of that movie, um, John McClane is shot through the chest. He's not, he, he he's not dead, but he gets shot through the chest. So uh, apparently missing his vital organs. Mm-hmm. And then he gets in a position where the bad guy is behind him and holding him. And John, Mc- and John McClane is like basically down on his leg. But he's able to grab a gun. And the bad guy's asking if you have any last word. Because he's, he's behind John McClane and he's, he's uh, grabbing him. And he, I guess he has a gun pointed to John McClane's head. John McClane grabs another pistol and points it at his own chest. And he says, uh, yippee Kaye and he pulls the trigger. The hole is already in his chest. So it's not like he's gonna create another hole. Yeah. So he puts the he puts a gun to his chest, through the hole that was already there, and pulls the trigger and kills the bad guy because he knows the bullet is gonna go through again. Right? That's amazing. <laughs> so, so good. Yeah. Oh my it's God. it's uh, totally unrealistic, but I, I love the ending uh, the way the bad guy was taking out at taken out at the end of that movie. And in this movie, it's another inspired choice of taking out the bad guys. So as long as they keep coming with coming up with creative uh, means of dispatching the main bad guy in movies like this, this mm-hmm. that's what I'm here for.
0: Yeah, same. I like that it wasn't just like a gunshot to the head or anything like that. It kind of all builds... The whole, like, sequence at the end seems to build and build and build and build. And, you know, you do get the three of them stuck at one point. Like, they're out of bullets. They don't know what to do. And Hutch is, you know, I'm going to be a hero in this moment. And very quickly, I don't know how fast he could do this in reality, but, like, strap the mine to, to the plexiglass and then ram him. I just feel like that was a great culmination of everything we had watched. And it was a great, like peak for this climactic ending um and a really really cool way that they decided to take out the bad guy because you see well first i was like is he dead and then like half his face is gone and i'm like yeah he died he's dead
1: (laughs) (laughs) if he wasn't dead he wasn't happy
0: (laughs) (laughs) he's he's gonna get that facelift finally maybe he'll finally get that you know right 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 surgery but uh but no he's gone yeah, and I love how Christopher Lloyd, I just keep calling him Christopher Lloyd because uh, that's who he is to me. I, I didn't grab his character's name. But he says, just a little excessive, but glorious. And that is exactly like how I would categorize this whole last scene. It is excessive, but it is glorious.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Um, yeah, and then I do love how, because the beginning of the movie, um, we see Hutch bloodied bruised everything and he's like you know sitting in this um, room where he's being interrogated by these two detectives over what what the hell just happened and he takes a kitten out of his jacket and like well first he like opens up a can of tuna and then he takes the kitten out and he's feeding the the cat and at the beginning of the movie you're just like what but then at the end, you realize it's the cat that was uh, in the rafters in the building, which I don't know how this kitten survived all of that going on. I feel like um, it, it might not have had such a happy ending in reality, but the kitten survives and that's how you realize um, he, he gets a cat at the end. And I think his daughter wanted a cat. So that all kind of yeah. goes together.
1: The funny thing was that I knew that the daughter wanted a cat. And at the beginning of the movie, we see him pull the cat out of his coat. So I'm waiting for the part where he goes to a pet shop and buys a cat. <laughs> yeah. But he never does that. He never goes to a pet shop where he never visits a friend who who hands him a kitten. That None of that ever happens. He just happens to find it in his father-in-law's uh, manufacturing um, building, just hiding out, waiting for all the gunfire to stop so that he can come out or be discovered by hunch mm-hmm.
0: and i like earlier because you saw a woman with a broomstick like hitting the ceiling tile and she thinks it's a raccoon but you realize it was the kitten uh, at the end of the day so i feel like that was another cool callback and yeah they got a kitten at so you know what oh you know what Maybe...
1: i forgot all about that
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i thought that was really cool Um, a really cool callback. And then, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, it started with a kitty cat bracelet. But also, if this hadn't have happened, maybe he wouldn't have found the kitten to adopt. So, you know, it all worked out. (laughs) 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 But yeah, I just, I really liked this. And at the end, um, the end to me is a little, um... You're not certain quite what is happening, but essentially they're looking for a new house and they're with the realtor and the realtor gets a couple different phone calls. She eventually takes the call and it's for Hutch and Hutch answers it and his face like it's very solemn and serious. And then in the next part you see him and his wife be like, does this house have a basement? And then it ends. And that to me, I feel like sets up for a sequel really well. Um, Yeah, I have some, some... tidbits about the sequel but I wanted to hear your thoughts about the end first
1: oh yeah that was it it was a cool ending to this movie I I like that it's like it's not necessarily that it could have a sequel but because they didn't set it up as a cliffhanger which I'm glad which I am glad they did or they didn't have some I'm not sure if they had any after credit scenes I don't think they did they didn't do it like that they just said that you know a story like this could continue and I I like the way it's uh, set up that way and that was a very nice kitchen they had. I'd like a kitchen. It was. Like
0: that. It was a really lovely <laughs> kitchen. I would be really sad if it got destroyed like the other home did. Um, so maybe he'll he'll uh, do some remodeling to to strengthen it up a little bit this time around. Um, it's, funny right, right, right. it's funny you mentioned. It's funny you mentioned a end credit scene because there is a mid credit scene, and this is my first time realizing this because I think usually like at the end of the movie I just turn it off, but I had it kept going cuz i was looking through my notes and then this mid credit scene popped up and i was very surprised but loved it so it's Christopher Lloyd and Harry driving down the road driving down the coast in a van and Christopher Lloyd is like i don't believe that you shot one guy with three or three guys with one bullet and Harry's like it happened i did it um and then Christopher Lloyd says why can't we just fly there and Harry says, "With this luggage," and you look in the back of the van, and it's like got so many guns, so many b- grenades, so many weapons, and they both start laughing, and then it ends.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So I feel like they're they're set it being set up to do something too, which hopefully we'll find out in a sequel. Um, I I looked up some information. There's not much, but and there's no plot details, but. As of January, Nobody 2 was reportedly in the works. Uh, Bob Odenkirk is going to be returning. Um, I think he's the only confirmed one, but I feel like RZA and Christopher Lloyd would come back too, just based off of how they set it up and Hutch's whole family. Um, So hopefully everybody comes back. And then I think they're hoping to release it sometime next year in 2024. So hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, we get a sequel soon.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed that we get a sequel and that it's a good one.
0: Yes, fingers crossed to both sides. Yeah, like I feel like they will. I don't know if they brought back the um, the same guy who wrote John Wick, but but I feel like the John Wick sequels. I have to be perfectly honest; I have not seen, um, and I really want to watch John Wick. But I, from what I've heard, like the sequels are pretty good too. So so maybe they'll still be good. I'll watch it either yeah. way.
1: Yeah, I I like all the sequels. I I hadn't seen the latest sequel john wick 4, but i'm looking forward to seeing that and so they're, they're all really good is i think they're uh conscious that they need to it's not enough to just make a sequel that but that mm-hmm. the sequel has to be good yeah. um so they're conscious and i think th- the way they're doing that is that they're kind of make instead of trying to make the sequels like episodic like one sequel is extremely different from the next they're like in the john wick universe they're the sequels are telling a an expanded story mm. uh it's telling the same story so the story is like continuing yeah i think that's why they're referred to as chapters as mm. as, as opposed to calling them parts so i think that um that if they continue in this vein of storytelling that we should be getting some good sequels down the line
0: Yeah, I would like for them to continue, and, like, if I was going to have my dream plot, it would, like, the events of what happened in this movie would directly impact what's happening in the sequel. Um, You know, I don't know, I'm not a a screenwriter, so, you know, somebody else can come up with that uh, idea better than I could, but I really hope that they continue, like, oh, this is what happened in the first movie, this is why this is happening in the second movie, um, I feel like that's a better way to do it than just like have a completely different situation that isn't ha- that have anything to do with the first one.
1: Well, the the thing is, the the Russian, I guess, is the Ruffin Mafia that keeps this retirement mm-hmm. fund. The retirement fund is gone and they know mm-hmm. who did it. So right. <laughs> Definitely. I would imagine it, it might have something to do with that.
0: Yeah, it would be more realistic if, you know, his family and him like keep they they like this head mom keeps coming after him for what he did so versus like having a completely different bad guy um come around so yeah i'll be interested to see what they do but yeah really loved this movie um took me by surprise really a big fan of bob odenkirk even more so after watching this movie and yeah i'm excited to see what they come up with next
1: yes me too
0: Cool. Well, I think that brings us to our segments. So uh, the first segment that we have is called DeFlick. This is our chance to really not so much answer, but ask our rhetorical questions over like, how did this happen? Or why did that happen? Or, you know, but in a DeFlick verbiage. So my first DeFlick is how DeFlick does a pizza box keep a garage door open? I'm very confused by this. I feel like the pizza box would be so flimsy and crumble under the garage door. But am I wrong? I don't know.
1: No, you're not wrong, and that it was in an upright position in the first place. Yeah. I think that the conceit is that he was rushing out to put the garbage or to to reach the garbage truck, which he can you know, did day after day, he would fail to reach the garbage truck. And I guess somehow the pizza box fell out of the garbage and landed Mm. in just such a position that when you close the garage door, the garage door wouldn't close. But yeah, that a pizza box would be strong enough to keep a garage door open. That, yeah, that's definitely uh, why the flick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My my assumption was that the the pizza box didn't fall out and land there but that the robbers used a pizza box and like were hiding and waiting for the garage door to open and then as it did they like placed it there but who knows i mean either way it seems very um unbelievable of everything i've seen in this movie that's the most unbelievable part to me is that this pizza box kept this garage door open
1: right 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 so uh my why the flick moment knowing like by the end of the movie we kind of know a pretty good uh we have good information about hutch manso what his deal is so it would go back to why the flick didn't you just hit the girl over with the the mm. golf club You you didn't have to go all you know ramble on her you didn't you didn't have to <laughs> yeah. beat her to a bloody pulp you didn't have to do that all you had to do was kinda of whack her on the head one time and, and she and her boyfriend probably would have ran away. Or mm-hmm. or something like that. <laughs> That's my why the flick. is like why why the flick that didn't you just I I know you're trying to maintain your veneer of um what's the word I'm looking for? Normalcy mm-hmm. or mild manneredness or whatever you're trying to pre, you know present yourself as. But I think you you could have hit her with the golf club. You could have did that.
0: He probably could have. I think he maybe felt bad for them because you know he knew the gun wasn't loaded and he knew they were scared and young and that they probably were just looking for money and so I think for him he he was like at the end of the day yeah they like they punched my son in the face but they're not going to be a real threat to us and so maybe he was afraid that once he got started he wouldn't be able to stop as we see later once you know he goes on the bus so maybe he was a little little afraid of what he was capable of um but yeah i feel like if he had maybe a little bit he if he was in a better mindset then maybe he could have just been like pop and be like get out of my house and you know right 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 we'll we'll end it here
1: yeah i I agree with that i I agree wholeheartedly but even when i think about it i still i still go back to but why the flick did you
0: (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah
1: yeah, I still I still go back to that even even though I I agree with what you're saying, but still why the flick when, when just it's just a golf club it's not it's not and I think it's for, not like you had a machete oh. and you was going to chop them up. <laughs> okay.
0: um, the other thing I was oh, shoot, I was gonna say something else about this oh. So I think the other reason, too, is that it's really just maybe more so for us, the audience, so that we're not getting his full capabilities right in the first like 10 minutes of the movie. And we don't get to see that more so until the bus scene. So for us, when once his son came down the stairs and they were holding his son or doing whatever, um, that to me, I was like, oh, Hutch is going to go off because they got his son. And so I'm like, yeah beat him up like get the golf club get him and then he holds off and so it's it's like oh you were like we wanted to see it we wanted to see you go off on and see what you're capable of but we're not getting it yet and so it makes you want to keep right. watching to see what he can do
1: right 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 right
0: yeah. yeah I feel like in reality he would have like used the golf club to go off on them but for movie purposes uh it makes sense I guess Um, So my other deflick that I have, and I think we've already kind of talked about this, but it's just how deflick do you not check around the house first for the kitty cat bracelet? Because kids forget things where they put things all the time and then things turn up as we see like he would have been sleeping on the couch the night of the home invasion and his daughter comes to sleep next to him. And that's where she loses the kitty cat bracelet is under that couch. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, Hutch, you just, you were just looking for any excuse to go off and, you know, you could have done, you could have saved yourself a lot of pain by just taking a deep breath and looking around for the kitty cat bracelet.
1: I think it was a combination of things. Like I I agree wholeheartedly, but a combination of things that are happening. One, he's being shamed by everybody for not doing anything on the night in question so he's being shamed by his son he's being shamed by the police officers he's being shamed by his brother-in-law like his son is supposed to be you know somebody he's trying to raise up and to be a good human being and the police officer it's almost like they're trying to emasculate him his his Mm -hmm. brother is uh he's so much better than his brother-in-law in in all aspects of combat, and yet he has to pretend that he isn't. So I think that just kind of builds up on him, and then when he finally gets home, and his daughter (laughs) couldn't uh, find her kitty cat bracelet, now it's all built up where he can't be reasonable, even with himself, and he's like I've been um, defanged and and my little girl is missing a kitty cat bracelet that those guys took and it's all their fault so I'm going to settle it with them I'm going to go I'm going to get the kitty cat bracelet so I can at least do that to I don't know save face or <laughs> yeah yeah that <laughs> just is like might deal with that
0: that's what pushed him over the edge was that not that everybody else was harping on him although I'm sure that ended up like Adding to how he was feeling, but that his daughter was like, oh, "I lost my kitty cat bracelet," and she was sad about it. And he was like, "They've crossed the line here." (laughs) and So right, 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 right. right. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah. And uh, the other thing is that even before the home invasion, his family he didn't get like the respect from his family. Well, I don't think he felt like he got the respect from his family that he thought that that he had hoped for. Like when he fantasized when he let that guy go and he fantasized about having a family and he saw that other guy's family life, that was the life that he envisioned, but it didn't kind of turn out the way he had envisioned it. And so now you have a a son that doesn't really respect him. And you have a wife that doesn't really respect him. And the only one that's really on his side is his daughter. So it's like when, when she, when he has to go, when he decides to go and sleep on a couch, because uh, his wife reinforced the barriers between them, after the home invasion, you know his his daughter came downstairs to sleep with him because she uh, she knew that he needed someone at that moment, and and yeah. she was scared herself, and mm-hmm. so she she still loved the protection, which mm-hmm. she loved her father, and she and her father still represented the protection that uh, that he wanted. He wanted to be seen as somebody who could protect his family.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Is that you know the fact that the kitty cat bracelet was stolen maybe for him felt like oh i didn't get to maybe like that was in her eyes later on she'd like not see him as a protector anymore and so he was like i'm not going to have that nobody else believes in me but my daughter <laughs> does so i'm going to go get this <laughs> kitty cat bracelet back right 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 <laughs> yeah oh man that's true um did you have any other deflick moments
1: uh only one that i mentioned earlier i mean they they there could be so many but you have to recognize that this is an action revenge fantasy so a lot of yeah. things you have to let go but one of the things that i keep coming back to that i mentioned earlier is why the flick is there a fire extinguisher in the car because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nobody does that like if it was like a, a commercial vehicle i can understand that like if they were driving around in some kind of uh commercial van or something like they had a front business that they were doing like a, a lot of Mafia. They have like a front cleaners. Mm. I think, um, what you call it? The uh, in uh, in Daredevil there was no not Daredevil in um Hawkeye, the TV mm. show. There were the the bro what are, the moving bros or something like that. Uh, the, where,
0: I know what you're talking about. I can't think of their names right now. But yeah, right,
1: right. Like they called every they were moving guys. and They called everybody bro, <laughs> and they were and they were Russian. <laughs> yeah. So so they had a front business, and I felt like. If they had a front business with a commercial vehicle that required a fire extinguisher, then that would make sense. But they were driving in a regular car, mm-hmm. and he there happened to be a, a fire extinguisher in the trunk. Is that and nobody carries a fire extinguisher, so that no. like why the flick is it is like. <laughs> normally if there's something unusual in an unusual place then they would forecast it there would be mm. like they did with the gun in the freezer there would be some kind of a foreshadowing in that instance but there was there's no frame of reference for that there's no frame of reference for there to be a fire extinguisher in the chunk of a regular car And there was no uh, foreshadowing that that could be a thing that would happen in this movie so that yeah. was kind of weird that was <laughs> yeah now that
0: i'm thinking about it now that you mentioned it i'm like yeah that is weird because i mean typically in a trunk you'd see like the things you would need to change a tire maybe some like pieces of paper or something but certainly not in a fire extinguisher because if you get in a car wreck i don't know how a fire extinguisher in the back of the trunk is gonna help you out by right. right, any means if you're stuck right. um you know, I just kind of want to see, this made me think, too, I just want to see a movie where there's just a bunch of random shit in a trunk, like, like every day. That'd be really cool, too, considering how this movie starts out with, like, the mundane things in life. I think it'd be really cool if there were some just mundane things in the trunk, and he has to figure out how to use these things together to eventually crash the car. I think that would have been cooler.
1: Yeah, yeah, that definitely would have been cooler. Um, but yeah, but still, I, I, it was still cool. And see,
0: it could have like, been... Yeah.
1: No, I'm just saying it, it could have been almost anything, but not a fire extinguisher. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anything but that. I get it. It helps like drive the plot forward, and it was cool to see the whole car get like covered in the fire extinguisher um, stuff so that they couldn't see out of it, but something else. Like maybe like have like a smoke grenade or something. Cause they were like with the Russian bombs and maybe right, they have right, some stuff right, right, right. back there, but I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Definitely weird. All right. So I think that brings us to our next segment, which is Dick of the flick. And I feel like there's a lot of choices here um, for who we could see. So my first uh, note here, it's kind of like a compilation of a bunch of the guys in the beginning of the movie Um, one was the cop who was like, if that was my family, um, I was like, that's rude. Don't say that. Um, the, his next door neighbor too was a bit of a dick and then his brother-in-law with the gun. So like those, I kind of just categorized all together. I don't think they're the dick of the flick, but they were still nominees for me.
1: Oh, is it, is it my turn? Do I, um, I
0: can keep going and uh, I had a few few Uh, more, uh, but I wanted to give you a chance. (laughs)
1: Yeah, they, those are all those are all good choices. I I had thought of those. I I thought of uh also um even his wife Becca. She's uh because mm. it's like she's not trying to connect with him. So I I feel that but I think that's just where she, she's not truly being uh she, she's not t- truly being a dick. That's just where she is emotionally right there. Yeah. I, I kind of I kind of lean on uh as much as I like Hutch. I think that he's kind of the dick in this flick
0: because oh, see, really? <laughs> I had him down. Yeah, yeah. I had him down to some extent. I think he is a dick, but I don't know if he was the dick.
1: Yeah, I think he, well, I only call him the dick in his flick because it is, it is, it is his flick. So, and, so uh, only because uh, some of the stuff that we had mentioned earlier about him not stopping the home invasion and um, like when it, First happened, and then um, him not looking for the uh, the bracelet. Him kind of really going off on the uh, on on the first two on the um the people that stole his watch. Yeah, he kind of he kind of overcorrected in that instance. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, uh, I th- and yeah. um him he, he he gets to the point where he's kind of goading people into fighting instead of merely defending himself <laughs> right? so Man, a, maybe... kind of kind of a dick in in all of those because the, the 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 people you that you mentioned they didn't really play a, a huge part in the story like even the part where he stole his um his his neighbor's car right when he because mm. he, he got in his car and he decided to steal his neighbor's car not because his neighbor had actually did anything to him because he did uh, kind of like what the other people did when kind of showing a kind of disdain for him not acting when he could have, when there was a home invasion. But it was, you get a, a sense that this is kind of what his neighbor is. You know, that, that that's how his neighbor acts. Like his brother-in-law, that's how he acts. He's always that way. So he's not being particularly dickish mm. at those moments or they are not being dickish at those moments. But it's that... uh so that the neighbor didn't do anything to him, <laughs> but he was envious and jealous of his neighbor because of his neighbor's car <laughs> because of of the lifestyle that his labor his neighbor lives, and it kind of is a reflection on the lifestyle that he used to have before he got his family, so he steals his neighbor car to go on this adventure that was kind of a dick move on his part <laughs> <laughs> it so was. it's it's a combination of his Dickest actions that I think that he deserves the title of Dick yeah.
0: And you know what? I think you're convincing me. Like you make a lot of great points. I think it's too <laughs> it's too obvious to give it to Yulian because Yulian is just a like that's what he's doing. Like that's his job. I was more like leaning toward giving it to all the guys on the bus because they I just dis disliked them a lot and I didn't feel like they had to act so as entitled as they did and. And everything, But yeah, I mean, none of this really would have happened if it wasn't for the things that Hutch did. I mean, I guess the two robbers in the beginning could also be uh, a little bit more responsible for everything that happened because if that didn't, you know, go down, maybe the rest of this wouldn't. But Hutch is the one who actively makes these choices and... Is, like, bringing this on himself, even though he was, this is what he wanted. He should have just gone to therapy and talked out his feelings to someone <laughs> versus, like, getting in, involved with this Russian mob. So, you know what? I think he's not a dick, but I think he is the dick of the flick for what he did, unfortunately. Right, right. He
1: is not... He that like being a dick is not his personality, but yeah. he does engage in dickish actions that, you know, just basically sparks this whole adventure. I think the is, other people they are they are dicks, but they're kind of like they're minor dicks. It's like they it's all, it, yeah they're always that way, and and but they're they're all minor. Like even like Julian, he's uh, he's not really a dick. He's just kind of a he's just kind of rude. He's just kind of a yeah. bad guy. He's just kind of he's more nasty than he is being a dick because he is who he says he is he's like i'm a bad guy i'm gonna convince you i'm Mm -hmm. a bad guy i'm responsible i'm i'm just i'm mean i'm I'm threatening this is who i am but it's like i feel like a dick is kind of is not always completely honest or uh Mm. you know with themselves and i think uh hutch is kind of that way
0: Yeah, you expect it with Julian because that's who he is, so I don't, you know, and what he is trying to do is be this babysitter for all of this money, which is a lot of pressure, so I feel like he's trying to do his best, even though I don't condone anything Julian does, but for Hutch, it's like, you know, (laughs) you brought this, you honestly did bring this on yourself, You, you did this, so... I think this might be the first time the main character of a movie is the dick of the flick and not a negative (laughs) sense, but you know, everything you did was kind of dickish. So that's funny. All right. So I think that brings us to how many flicks do we give Um, as far as how this movie was critically received. It has very high scores so on imdb it is rated a 7.4 out of 10 and on rotten tomatoes it is fresh from critics at 84 percent and audiences at 94 percent so high um i feel like audiences definitely definitely loved this movie after seeing it um so what do you give this movie
1: uh i think i want to give it um Eight flicks or uh, eight kitty cat bracelets out of ten. Oh,
0: that's um. I love, I love the kitty cat bracelets callback. Um, so we do it on a scale of one to five. Um, and you can five is the oh, highest. I'm sorry. No, 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 I, no. You're you fine. I should have, I should have clarified. You did
1: give me the notes.
0: <laughs> so you really liked this movie, I'll say. But yeah, we do it on one to five. Five is the highest, and you can do decimal points.
1: Okay, I'll I'll do it. uh, Four out of five kitty cat bracelets. Nice.
0: Cool. Um, Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. I'm going to actually give it four point five out of five. Just a little bit a little bit higher for me. Um, Yeah. Like I said, this movie super surprised me. Um, very, I was very intrigued by it when I saw the trailer because, as I've already said, Bob Odenkirk does not stand out to me as an action hero in the same way as Keanu Reeves or, you know, Bruce Willis or any of those in like a typical action movie. But I am so glad that he decided to do this, and I think that's one of the things I love most is that he is so surprising as an action hero. And it comes across in the movie, too, of how they portrayed him to be this, like, meek, mundane person. But in reality, he can do a lot more than it seems. But he's still rusty because, you know, he hasn't done it in a while. So some of his moves are a little off and he does get banged up and he's not untouchable, which is cool. Um, I thought all the action sequences were done really well. Love all the needle drops that they do for each one. I think it just adds to the humor of it. It's not just a serious drama movie, but it's also got some comedy in there. Um, I think the only parts to me is that some some parts between like the relationship between him and his wife and his family could I I think been elaborated on just a touch more to add a little bit more nuance but overall yeah I love this movie I loved it on the rewatch I can't wait for the sequel and yeah fingers crossed it's it's just as good if not better
1: yeah it was uh, I agree with all of that it was it was all uh, just. What the doctor ordered, I guess. It was I <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do like uh revenge fantasy movies. I love the action in uh in this movie. The, the, I like how creative that they got with the action. Um the they had the, the fight with the with the guys on the bus, that was a, a great action scene. The um and the fact that he's the one that get thrown out the the bus window and not like one of the other bad guys, which is with, what you might typically expect uh so, some of the, the home invasion fight scene the even the some of the things that the bad guys are doing like when Yulian had beat up the uh he wasn't a bodyguard he was just one of the investors in the the retirement mm-hmm. fund so yeah. uh a, a lot of that uh and and the, the thing that you mentioned how Bob Odenkirk is like unassuming an unassuming action hero and so this movie works on a level that a lot of if they had chosen another actor would not have worked in that particular level like so if they had cast somebody like uh Keanu Reeves or or Harrison Ford or well I don't I don't know if Harrison Ford <laughs> is young enough to pull this off but uh you know somebody who's already an established action star probably cuz you know that they're going to get into some actions like okay yeah. they this we we know that this is probably an action movie and we know there're going to be some fight scenes because I saw the trailer. so we know that this you know action star like or if they like got somebody like tom cruise we know that this action star is going to beat everybody up and we will enjoy it but it works on a whole different level when you get somebody like bob odenkirk who is not known for his action movies right it's right. not his thing <laughs> so yeah. because uh it's somebody like bob odenkirk and, and he does these fantastic action sequences that's what makes this uh, a very inspired movie
0: Definitely. I could not agree more. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so thank you so much for being on why the flick today. It's been great having you. I've loved getting to deep dive this movie with you. Um, I want to give you a chance to talk about your podcast and where people can find you.
1: All right. Um, they can, my podcast is called Backlick cinema, the podcast. You can obviously find it where you're listening to this podcast or <laughs> whatever your podcast app of choice is i'm not on youtube yet maybe i'll figure that out in some time but um i am every place else also uh you can find me on tiktok or twitter at Backlick cinema or on facebook or instagram at Backlick cinema podcast yes i did the thing where my social media has different names <laughs> and once you mess it up, you can't fix it. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also have a website, www.backlickcinema.com. And um, if if you feel like writing letters, I'm at fanmail at Amazing.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like you have to have a game plan going into when you're making your social channels and be like... Think Like when I made Why the Flick, I just was like, well, just like do the same one for each platform. But sometimes like a username is taken on one platform and not the other, which makes it annoying, especially if that user has not posted for the last three years. And you're like, why do you have this username when I want it? <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely. And I'll link to all of your... Uh, social channels and your website and your podcast link in our episode description for this episode. So you definitely can check them out through that too. Awesome. Awesome. Great. So for our next flick, uh, we're switching gears a little bit, um, but I am going to have Bailey and Jess on from Subtitles On or Off podcast. And we are going to be talking about Aaron Brockovich, which is a movie that I really, really love. Um, it's funny because I was just talking on another podcast about how I dislike biopics, but this biopic I really like. So I'm excited to get into it with a strong female lead and deep dive uh, everything in that movie. Uh, so yeah.
1: That's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know what's interesting? I actually got to hear the voice of the real Aaron Brockovich on a different podcast. I think I... Um, I think it's called the Bananas Podcast. So, the Bananas Podcast is two comedians and they're talking about like current, like they talk about three crazy news stories. It's one of those things where they have crazy news stories and they, every once in a while, they have a guest. And one of the guests was Aaron Brockovich. And I was, oh, Oh wow, that's that's what she sounds like.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did she sound like uh, Julia Roberts a lot?
1: I, I don't know. I couldn't say that because yeah. like I wasn't trying I wasn't in a position where I could compare what they sound like. But, um mm-hmm. you know, it's because you, you hear her name, all, you know, all the time because of the movie and yeah. because of what she's advocating for. But the fact that is like she's on a podcast and she's uh and you can basically hear her and through that hear who she is as a person. It was just <sighs> interesting.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. I might have to go check out that episode then, uh, for, for us talking about Erin Brockovich so I can get some more details about her, but that's awesome. So yeah. Um, other than that, you know, for why the flick definitely go ahead. And if you haven't already leave us a rating and a review, um, we'd really appreciate it. You can find us, um, as Zoe mentioned, if you're listening to here, you probably already know where we are, but you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, podcasts, all of those. And then we are also at Wide the Flick um, on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Letterboxd. Sorry, sometimes I forget what we're on. And so I'm like, um, there's four that I have to mention. <laughs> right, uh, right.
1: I, I, you know what's funny? I, I wrote mine down and I put it in front of me that i wouldn't forget
0: <laughs> that's a good call i was just like i've done this so consistently i should know but sometimes it never fails i'll forget i'm like uh <laughs> but yeah so uh again Zo, thank you for coming on the podcast i'm so excited that we were able to do episode swaps and loved would love to have you on uh in a future episode as well
1: yes uh same here i really enjoy being here i have I enjoyed having you on the show, and if we can do it again, that'll be awesome.
0: Awesome. Great. All right, everyone, thanks for listening. Bye.
1: Bye bye.